Hello, welcome to IntelliCast. This is Season 3, Episode 51, and this is a special edition episode, right, Brian? It is. <laughs> Before we tell you what that special episode is, this episode brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. You can follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research or IntelliCast1, and you can leave us a voicemail or text at 513-401-5463. We love feedback on topics, guests, anything. Hey, we need more music for 2021, so if you have any thoughts on music for next year, send it to us. But, uh, Brian, this is a special episode. We are sponsoring the Insights Marketing Day as the podcast sponsor, and we have three of the panelists joining us today, right? That is correct, yes. Uh, Insights Marketing Day coming up on December 10th. Yep. And um, if you're not joined up, it's a really cool group of people. We have three of them joining us. and. Let's see. The first one is Jeffrey Hazlett, and he's amazing. He's the chairman and CEO of the C-Suite Network. And if you have not been to the C-Suite Network, you need to immediately. That network is just, I don't know if it's dozens or hundreds of podcasts. 250 right now. 250. Somewhat geared to like C-Suite, but there's research on there. A little bit of marketing is on there. There are sales there's pretty much everything, and he's starting to expand to other topics as well. But it's a lot of kind of business-related topics. Um, he does a free thing on Fridays to just kind of chat, and you can join that. But he's super interesting, and he's actually hosting a panel with you, Brian. He is, yes. This will be my first speaking engagement. And this panel, I, I'm not sure how I got added to this. Oh, you, Well, we – are the number one rated podcast in the Midwest that focuses on sampling and marketing research. And we've been nominated for an award. Um, so we deserve to be on this panel. Okay. Don't sell ourselves short. And you should yeah. say that during the interview. I know. <laughs> but so you're on a panel with um, some great people, um, Jeffrey Hazlett and Z Johnson. If you don't know her, she's amazing. She works at Zappy. And um, the moderator of the panel is a friend of our pod and the, I guess we could say the originator of our podcast, Adam Jolly. Yes, former host. Former host, has his own podcast, The Ride, and currently at SurveyMonkey. And that's by Adam Jolly and Adam Dietrich, two former EMI employees that have podcasts here. And so excited to have Adam interview you and see what kind of banter you two come up with. Yeah, we actually had a kickoff call for it yesterday and chatted a little bit prior to it getting started. Okay. And things are going to go okay? Yeah, I think it'll go real well. Yeah, cool. Um, and um, after Jeffrey, you can hear Danielle Bluegrind. And she is a senior consumer insights manager at Roku. And she, I found her super interesting. She has a kind of a cool background. Um, she spent some time at Burke and Taco Bell. And her current role is really cool. I mean, obviously, during this period of time with um, the pandemic and people in front of TVs a lot more and getting all kinds of entertainment. Um, it was, a, I think it was a good interview as well. Yeah. Particularly with this pandemic and the major shift to streaming, she's a great guest to have on. Yeah. So Danielle is on a panel that is entertainment in the time of Corona. And, um, she's also joined by our third guest in today's podcast on that panel, and that's Bianca Pryor, who is the VP of Consumer Insights um, of Content Optimization for BET Networks. I want to make sure that I get her 
job title correct, but um, you know, we just finished this interview a few minutes ago, and she's so engaging and lovely, and um, has a good foundation in research. Went from supply side to client side, and um, doing amazing things at BET Networks. Um, anything to add to this panel, Brian? Um, no, this is probably the one of the panels I'm looking forward to the most because you and I have talked about this several times. This kind of stuff really interests me and she probably has one of the coolest jobs i've heard of yeah she does qual and quant and she does all the content and testing and ad testing and this really cool stuff and i mean she just really knows research also on that panel is um diana rankin from netflix so i mean that's really cool group of people um roku netflix bet networks and the moderator is um casey avedican I think that's how you pronounce her name. She's an Innovate moderating that. So, man, that's really good content at Insights Marketing Day. They've done a really good job, right? Yeah, they have. It is going to be a jam-packed day on the 10th. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and then one thing that we need to announce is that Bianca, during her interview, she mentioned Monica. And what was her award she got? Uh, it is at what we called it during the interview was the Lifetime Achievement Award, but it is actually the Lady of Soul Award. Yes. So, yes, Monica, during the Soul Train Awards, which aired on BET a couple of weeks ago, she was awarded the Lady of Soul Award. And uh, Bianca, after the interview, was like, oh, no, I messed it up. And I'm like, well, if Monica's mad, blame it on producer Brian and I. It's our fault. Um, so we apologize for that. We apologize to Monica, maybe to reward to apologize to Monica, we will consider some Monica songs for 2021. Yes. I think that, <laughs> I think that should cover it. Yeah. Let's do that. And so without any further ado, listen to these three interviews. I think they're great. Um, they're not too long. They're pretty quick listens. And uh, thanks for listening. Joining us now, we have Jeffrey Hazlett on Jeffrey. Thanks for joining us. How are you? My pleasure, my friend. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I was going to introduce you. I was reading your bio, but your brows super impressive. I don't know if I would do it justice. So maybe you could quickly introduce yourself um, or otherwise I'll read three paragraphs. No, don't do that. That'd be, it'd take the whole show. Let's don't do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'll give you this, the, the quick summaries. I've, you know, listen, I've been a corporate executive, fortune 100 officer, uh, entrepreneur, bought and sold over 250 businesses in my career. Primetime television show on uh, Bloomberg used to be a judge on celebrity apprentice for three years with Trump. I mean, there go figure with that. And then, uh, you know, now I'm doing my own, my own podcast on C-suite radio as well. And so, uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm leading the C-suite network and serving on a ton of boards and just having fun doing business. That sounds amazing. Um, that's kind of what my, my career goals are. So I'm hoping to learn a lot from you both today and your website is impressive. Um, it is just a multimedia Massive. I could spend days there. Maybe tell me a little bit more about the C-Suite Network. Yeah, you know, the C-Suite Network is like, you want to look at it like a giant sequoia tree. And underneath that sequoia tree is this lush ecosystem that is a community of made up of members and people who, uh, you know, come together in a trusted, you know, trusted environment. Then we also have our media companies like C-Suite TV, C-Suite Radio, C-Suite Book Club. Um, then we have our, our events. We have digital discussions. Uh, you know, we used to run about 100 to 150 in-person events. And now, of course, with COVID, we made all those digital. Now we have well over 300 this year alone that we're doing. Anywhere, wow. yeah, anywhere from 30 people to 3,000, so to speak. And then, 
And then last but not least, we we have services. So we have things like C-Suite Supplies, C-Suite uh, Legal, C-Suite Connect, uh, C-Suite Sales. Uh, let's see, what else we got? C-Suite Audiobook. So you name it, what we do is we're trying to provide you know, a trusted place for services. And whether we're running those ourselves or we have, you know, great partners who come in and help us do that as well. Uh, we love both. We love both sides of that. And so that's what we're doing. So a, a great place to come together. You know, you can't today in today's digital world, as you know, COVID taught us, days have become weeks, weeks have become months, months have become years. And we're trying to figure out how to do business in this crazy, crazy world. Right. And, uh, and that's, you know, so what we've done is put together a good place to go do that, right? And, you know, I agree. There's a, so much content and it's not just for C-suite, right? I found a lot of marketing and sales help for really anyone and pretty yeah. much any profession can go there and find a lot of value, right? Well, absolutely. I mean, think about, let's just take the C off the C-suite. We're all, you know, whether you're in Main Street and Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I'm from, or in New York City, where I also live, um, you know, on Wall Street, there's no difference between a business and Main Street, no difference between a business and a Wall Street. It's just zeros. So take, you know, take away all the, the you know, the, the bullshit or the stuff around, oh, um, you know, an enterprise business versus this. All businesses are the same. And the fundamental pr- processes are, are the same. The scales are different. Let's be clear about that. The intensity can be different. Um, you know, the, 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 the rewards can certainly be different because, you know, obviously if I'm doing them, you know, like today I'm a, I'm a, a lead director on a board of directors. I'm trying to do a multi-billion dollar transaction well you know there's there's results of that i, I can't do that for my dry cleaning business in in in, in uh in des moines iowa you know right gotta do a lot of shirts i'd have to do a lot of shirts i have to clean a lot of shirts <laughs> right well i w- i'd like to maybe talk more about the podcast network sure. specifically i know that you have a lot of podcasts on there and it looks like maybe what some of our friends are on their ponderings of a perch the um oh yeah yeah the, well, we got, we got to get you on there. We get, you know, so we're a podcast <laughs> platform. We, no, we love it. I mean, listen, I'm I'm out evangelizing. I think this is the next medium for everybody. I think everybody's a brand. If you haven't figured out right now, uh, there's a big shift going on in, in business today. And the big shift is everybody's got to be your brand. Everything's got to be the brand. And the brand is nothing more than a promise delivered. But you got to be able to, you know, get into it. This is a game of 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 hearts and minds, not eyeballs and ears. And so you have to build community. You have to do that. And podcasts a great way. And we, we came up with the idea a couple of years ago and started it. Now, now this last year, we grew to 250 shows. We have over 450% listenership increase over last year. And, and we added 132% more episodes. This next year, we'll grow by another 500 shows. And uh, we, our listenership will go greater than 450% listenership. We're already, I mean, we're just, we keep, we're in the hockey stick of growth. And, and so what we are is a, is a, is a trusted platform for business, business shows. I mean, there's no other business platform out there for any podcaster to be a part of. And what we do is we help people with amplification of their shows. We help people with the analytics in their shows, telling them, you know, uh, you know, who's listing what. I mean, I'll give you a good example. My own show. Um, you know, I used to say things like, um, well, so I found out the second largest listing audience of, on my show outside of North America, treating us and the Canada as one, uh, was India. 
well, you know, I used to say things, Brian, like after the show, I'm going to go out for a big juicy steak in a scotch, you know, <laughs> you know, if you're listening from India, that's probably not the most, it's a little offensive. So uh, maybe I should change my language. So now I talk about, hey, I'm going to have a bindi and a curry, you know, and now I'm engaging with that audience in different ways. Well, the analytics show me that. And the analytics show me that, you know, 24% of the people who download my podcast listen on Apple Watch. Well, what does that mean? Whoa. That means they're listening while they work out or in a commute. So my hour-long podcast show is probably not the best show. So now I shorten it to 24, 20, 25 minutes. Then, uh, because, you know, most people don't work out after that. Most people, when we used to commute, you know, commuting now is like walking down the hall, right? But, um, you know, but when we used to commute, of course, it'd be about the good time for a commuting average commute. And then then we do things like provide um, the uh, advertising, meaning we go out and sell advertising on people's shows and we provide a way for any independent podcaster to start to get paid for their own marketing because you're using your show primarily to spread the word and, of course, use it, utilize it for marketing. And so and so we help people with that. And then we have services and production and all kinds of things that we can do to teach people how to do it. So that's what we're doing. C-Suite Radio. That's amazing. I know I have friends that have a podcast and they really just kind of, they have some, some thoughts they want to get out there. It could be about one of the topics that they're passionate about typically. And I, I know of nowhere they can go to get all of this. Those analytics that you kind of mentioned are just huge. If you oh, know yeah. who's listening to your show and you can leverage that and maybe slightly adjust your content, that's huge. Well, but even more so is Brian. I mean, it's it's I have mine up right now. I'm watching in live time. I'm listening to my show and I can tell you how many people are listening to my show right now. A little over 2,284 people right this minute it says it live right now. I can tell you what cities they're listening from, how long they listen. What portions they drop out of the show normally? What's been their listening habit? So, you know, now if I know that, hey, I'm really hot in Cleveland, well, maybe I want to start doing some more work in the Cleveland area, right? Or maybe maybe making some more outreach because I've got good number of fans there. And if that's the case, how do I help them? So it's about building the tribe, about, you know, being able to do something more than just, hey, I got a podcast. And you, and you want to be able to have that, you know, and that's what we do at the C-Suite Network. We help people provide them with a little education, a little motivation, a little inspiration, and certainly a chance at monetization. But you got to get engaged. But you got to have the tools to do that. And so we try to do that. I mean, that's, so, that's all we are. So typically these are some sort of business-related podcasts, right? Do you, yeah, do you we've got lifetime. Yeah, we've got some lifestyle. I mean, we got, I got, we got 28 legal podcasts. We got cannabis podcasts. One of our biggest shows is a divorce show, <laughs> you know, because there's unfortunately a lot of execs that do get divorces. And we've got family. Uh, there's a family relation show that's off the charts. But we also have rich dad, poor dad. You know, we have uh, a real estate rock stars. They rock it. I mean, he just Aaron does a heck of a job. And and then, you know, you've got some spiritual shows, health shows. You got, you know, you got to look at the the C-suite, the network, the the, the business people who do business, the business leaders, if you're a VP or higher, well, you're fairly affluent market. And so we appeal to affluent market. So we, you know, we're out there recruiting some sports shows. We're out there recruiting, you know, especially things that would be more sports related for the, the kinds of audience members that we have. But, but at the same time, you know, I, I want food shows, wine shows. We've got, we've, and we've got some of those and we love those. They're, they're, they're doing great. Awesome. So, how would you, what 
Do you have any advice for someone that's maybe thinking about starting a podcast? Should they contact you or should they try to just kind of get their feet wet a little bit? No, we'd love to help them start from the beginning. We're going to be offering a podcast you this year. We've got startup packages. We certainly love to have people. And if, and if we're not the right place for them, we'll send them to the right place because, you know, I, we want to help people do more business. So that's that's the key. But by all means, they, should, they can contact Jeff Hazlett. You know, find me on, on Jeff at C-SuiteNetwork.com. There you go. Um, or my here's my phone number, 212-786-2483. That's my cell phone number, right? Um, you know, I because I care about that. I, I wanna, I'm a big cheerleader for people to do business. I'm a big cheerleader for people to build their brand. I'm a huge cheerleader for people to go out and do something better than they've done before. And, and you know, podcast is one of those ways or, or whatever you'd like to do. I mean, yeah, we get, like I said, we have audio books. We help people with audio books. We help people get their books published. We, you know, those are the things we do as well. Those are services on top of the main piece of it, you know, a community, because, you know, we, we all have to have a trusted place we can come together and, you know, we get together and make that happen. So, yeah, we're more than happy to show somebody how to do it. Awesome. Well, you're doing amazing stuff. And I want to encourage everyone listening to go to it's c-sweetnetwork.com. There's a, just a, we barely scratched the surface of what you're accomplishing on the C-Suite Network. So, Maybe let's have a little fun. Can I ask you some more personal questions? Yeah, you can ask me whatever you want, brother. <laughs> well, first one is you mentioned Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah. Do you have, a, do you have any good Trump stories or anything you'd like to share from that experience? Well, you know, what I would tell you is that, you know, there's lots of good Trump stories. I mean, there, there was all, all kinds of good stuff that happened, you know, and interesting stuff. Everything from Dennis Rodman showing up on set wearing a dress to, uh, you know. <laughs> To, to having good conversations with, uh, you know, with Do- with Donald or the president alone. Yeah. They, you know, uh, listen, I don't condone his politics. I think he's kind of batshit crazy. But nonetheless, he was you know, <laughs> did right. a good job. He did a good job on the show. The show was fairly iconic. It was a great yeah. show. One Love of the, the show. Shows, you know, for a long, long time. Uh, I learned a lot about the television business from that. And, of course, it led me to, to meeting Mark Burnett, who is kind of the yeah. you know, reality king show. Uh, you know, leader and of course survivor and all the things he's done and he he became a very good friend and and then a number of executives that were working Jesus just as assistants at the time and that's the way Mark by the way that was one of the interesting learnings I had from him Mark starts everybody off as an assistant and then they work their way up the system and then that's how they become a producer or a director or or uh, the head of business development or acquisitions or something. And um, so I learned a lot about how to do the TV show. But yeah, with Trump, uh, you know, it was interesting. He was attention to details. But the other thing I will tell you, he was amazing. And I, you know, having my own TV show myself it, and you and you having a podcast, Brian, you know, this This is not easy just to turn it on. Right. You know, and to say what you have to say. Th- that guy could look at the script or know the lines and he would just say it. And that's an impressive thing to do. There's not not a lot of people I know in this business that can do that. You know, I can do some of that. You know, like I can take I'm kind of known as a one take kind of guy, kind of guy. But he's better. Oh, my gosh. He's so much better. And it's it's like it. But by the way, but I look at what he's doing today, you know, how he does things today. And it's not as good as what it was then. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. When you look at that, I mean. He's a different stage, different things, but and obviously, you know, as president, you you gotta you got different. You can't say the wrong things, although he says them all the time. But you well, know. it's too bad whether you like Trump or dislike Trump. You have to admit he's divisive, and it's it's honestly it's too bad that he's not at a point 
where he can unite people, um, use that power because what you—that's a gift that he has. Well, that I don't you know, think even his biggest yeah, haters would deny. Yeah, I think you know. There's two things I say about this. I wrote a book called The Hero Factor about 18 months ago, and and well, here's one of the things: what we would hope for our president is our our president is a, a unifier. That's I think what most of us want. Uh, he, he's definitely not that, but we should have known that going in. Yep. Because he's because if you look and see what he is has been in the past, it's not been about unifying. It's been about him and, and or or winning in some way, shape or form. So that's what we got. Whether you voted for him or not, that's what you knew you got. So the one good thing and, and I'll say this and I hope people listen to me because I don't I don't want them to think I'm a Trumpster or I'm a this or that or whatever. The one good thing that we get from this is he made us pick a side. And for a long time, voters in this country and people in this country didn't pick sides. And so we got what we got because we didn't do that. And now we're picking sides. Now, will we'll, we'll something better? I think in the end, something much better will come out of it because now we'll decide what we really want. Yeah. And, and I think that, that if there is a gift that we can find from that, it is that. And and the other thing for most of us to understand is that our jobs, your job, my job, and other job isn't to convince you or you to change my opinion, but for us to have a better understanding of each other. Right. And if we can do that, that's that's and I think hopefully COVID's teaching us some of those things. Right. Well, that is an amazing outlook that you have there. I really appreciate your time today. Um Anything else you'd like to plug other than your website or anything else you're doing? I'm just here to help have a great Discord. But I thank you for letting me have a chance to do some blatant plugs. Listen, folks, if you want to come and be a part of a bigger network, by all means, come come to the C-Suite Network. We get together every single Friday. We'd love to have you come and join us on a Friday. Um, Just email me, Jeff, at c-suite, S-U-I-T-E, network.com. And I'll be glad to personally invite you to attend one of our events. On Friday, we get together. You know, remember, Brian, on Fridays, we used to drive home after work or take the train or whatever, wherever we lived. And we'd, we'd always stop off and see a friend or two or a colleague, you know, maybe have a drink or a beer or yeah. in some case of scotch. And and what we'd always do is we'd get together and we'd, we'd have a high five or maybe a pat in the back or maybe even a hug because it was a, sh- a shitty week or something like yeah. that. But but we miss that. And so we put that together. and We have a Friday celebration Friday event where we just get together and we share good news and talk about things and share what, what's happening. And we might have 100 to 150 people, but we do it together. And it's a wow. really cool gathering. So we're more than happy to have you and anyone else, any of your listeners come and join us on our C-Suite Network Friday celebrations. You go to the website under events, you can find it, click on it, sign up for it. No no charge, nothing, just come. Awesome. Well, Jeffrey, I'm looking forward to the panel with you and producer Brian and Adam Jolly and C. Johnson at Insights Marketing Day. And I can't thank you enough for joining us today, spending a little time with us and having some fun. Thank you so much. All right, let's put on a show. <laughs> joining us now is Danielle Bluegrind. She is the Senior Consumer Insights Manager at Roku. Hi, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm all right. You have the best LinkedIn intro maybe I've ever seen. It says you are an insights devotee and voice of the consumer with a penchant for purple and pink hair. I love that. I couldn't think of a better way to describe myself in a nutshell. <laughs> no, that's awesome because um, it stands out, right? 
Hopefully, yes. I do it for the fun, but I kind of like that it gives me something a little bit unique. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, thanks for joining. And you work at Roku, but you have kind of a diverse background. Maybe kind of talk us through your history and marketing research. Sure. I've worked in several different industries. Um, aside from being a consultant where I work with lots of different clients and working um, on a full service supplier, I have worked in CPG for kids at Mattel. I worked in fast food at Taco Bell, and now I'm in tech at Roku. That's awesome. You've done everything then. I saw that you worked at Taco Bell, and when I was in grad school, someone came and spoke to me that worked at Pizza Hut and said that there were such things called Kentaco Huts. Have you ever <laughs> been to a Kentaco Hut? I have. We call them the three-in-ones, to be honest. Um, and then the Taco Bell Pizza Huts, I heard a lot of consumers call them the Taco Huts many times. So yes, we had a lot of shorthand um, slang for our different restaurant types, for sure. Yeah, no, that's hilarious. I think that um, making research fun is, is uh, makes it so much easier. And so, what are you doing now at Roku? Like, what's what's your role now? So my role is I'm within the account acquisition marketing group. So I am still in a traditional consumer research uh, role, and our team is looking at everything that might attract new customers. So it's your traditional P's, right? Product price, placement, promotion, all those kind of things. We work on the positioning, work on merchandising, anything that might attract people to pick up and purchase a Roku product. So we really work on the before the purchase part of the cycle. Okay. By the way, um, full disclosure, I think you have four Roku, Rokus. You have more um, than me. <laughs> I'm a loyalist. Well, I have two TVs that it's kind of built in mm -hmm. and then two kind of standalone. So I'm a huge fan so they love to hear it. <laughs> yeah. And what what are you seeing? Is this a good time to be in the Roku business? Is this a bad time? Is it just a challenging time? Like what's going on like due to the current circumstances? This is a fantastic time to be at Roku. I mean, you don't have to be in my industry to see what's happened with entertainment in the last nine to ten months since we've all been under stay-at-home orders. It's you know, it's changed focus. Um, people instead of going to the movies, they're home and they need to be entertained at home. So more than ever, TV has become this language that brings people together. It, people are all talking about, what did you watch on TV? And have you seen this movie? And what are you streaming? And when people get together on Zoom calls, it's the new water cooler. So instead of talking around the water cooler about what you watched last night, people are doing it on Zoom calls. And I mean, it's essential. We need, enter need entertainment these days. We need connection these days. And we see more and more people watching together versus in a solitary fashion, because I think we've all had enough of distance at this point. So oh, I, it's a great way to bring people together right now. Oh, I completely agree. And producer Brian and I can talk about this a little bit, is that I missed the beginning of the pandemic when we talked about Tiger King all the time. <laughs> I think we talked about Tiger King, I don't know, constantly for six weeks. And then it became like the scary time of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and now I completely agree that my um, entertainment viewing, which is through Roku, as I mentioned, has really helped me a lot get through this because of all the options that I have. I have way too many. I have everything. I've got everything hooked up through it. And so I have way too many options and I have the paralysis of too many options, I think. But yeah, I guess it would be a good time to be in the Roku business. Yeah, I have heard the expression too much choice is not a good thing from a consumer point of view, but right now I think we'd rather have too much than not enough. Yeah, agreed. Um, so you mentioned that business is good. Like, 
is what else are you seeing in terms of the pandemic? Are there other trends that you you see happening? Um, are you looking forward to the end of the pandemic? Like, what's going on? Um, as much as this pandemic has been great for business and I love the heck out of working from home, yes, I'm looking forward to whatever our new normal is when we're not all in fear of the grocery carts and the airplanes yeah. and the malls. Um, I don't say, claim to know what the new trends are going to be, but I do have a suspicion that we're just going to see more of the same for a while because I don't think that life is going to drastically change in the next three to six months. Yeah. Um, maybe with the elections over, we can focus less on how we're divided and more again on ways we can continue to connect, even if still from a distance. Right. Right. So thank you for sharing all the stuff with Roku. Maybe let's have some fun and get to know you better. You mentioned the marketing mix earlier about what you're doing at Roku. We try to have some fun questions with the four P's and get to know people. And um, we change them up a little bit. Okay. So. If you want to skip any of these, that's fine. But we have four. Um, first P is perform. What is something that most people don't know about you? Do you have a hidden talent? Not so much a talent, just as an, an ability to um, run the heck of the out of the Jeopardy board from home. So oh. I am a real. Now I know that it's much harder when you're there, but I am an incredible Jeopardy contestant on my couch. Um, yeah. My mom laughs at me because I'll be on my phone doing something else completely different. And I'm calling out, what is this? And who is this? And and she says, you're not even listening. And I said, I wow. am. I'm, I'm doing something else and listening. And I get, you know, uh, questions I didn't know I knew, I get right. Yeah. Um, think about the, a lot of, hmm? yeah. Um, what do you think of Ken? Is, I guess Ken Jennings is taking over for Alex Trebek. I'm not sure how to feel about that. Although I'm a huge Ken Jennings fan. I'm a huge Ken Jennings fan too, and my mom personally has a massive cr uh, crush on James Holtower um, okay. and his adorable little smile. But I mean, no one is ever going to be Alex, and yeah. the game will never be quite the same without Alex. So, you know, Ken is brave if he wants to try to step into those shoes, but I just support the game continuing forward because it's just such a fun way to spend a half an hour in the evening. Absolutely. And one of the, my one of my biggest joys the past few years is watching a um eleven year old in my household who was really horrible and not just Jeopardy, but Will of Fortune, stunk at Will of Fortune, be dominating the family now as an eighteen year old at Will of Fortune and Jeopardy. And you can just see that's how you sometimes how you see people progress in, in terms of intellect is just watching Jeopardy and Will of Fortune. You do. And I don't know what it says about me that I can't guess a puzzle on Wheel of Fortune to save my life, but I'm just going to stick with Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome. So next P, and this is pandemic. And I think we should keep this on for 2021, Brian, by the way. I love this question. Is there anything fun or quirky that you started doing since the quarantine started? My big example is that when we were out of sports to watch throughout the summer or, or early in the pandemic, I got addicted to marble racing and I wanted to watch marble racing all the time. And I wanted to wager on it somehow. That was the, one of the many things that I mentioned as something kind of quirky that I started. Do you have anything up from your perspective? Well, first I'm going to jot down marble racing and go look that up because I have yeah. no idea what it even is, but yeah, Yelly's marble racing is it's out of the Netherlands. <laughs> well, I had no idea. Honestly, mine aren't that weird. Um, I've just, I've been doing paint by numbers, which is something that I've always wanted to do. Awesome. And I actually finally thought let's do it and put something on the wall. So I have completed 2% of my paint by numbers, but that's okay. <laughs> that's and, awesome. 
then I love to read and it's usually something I only get to do when I travel or I'm on vacation on an airplane. So I bought, my mom and I love to watch the TV show Rizzoli and Isles. We've been streaming all the old episodes. I bought the entire series of 12 books and we're reading them from start to finish. That's I awesome. Never have committed to a 12 book series in the past, but now I can. Well, see, you're doing things that are much more like educational than I am with marble racing. That you're you're probably more successful than I am. I've, Don't call it educational, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard of all these book clubs moving to Zoom. I found that really interesting as well. That all the book clubs figured out a way to kind of survive. Um, mm-hmm. Next one, podium. Do you have a top three of something? We've done this with like travel, with your favorite restaurants, with favorite airports we can get really quirky with it with your favorite pot roast I don't know whatever you want to do here you know what I am going to do travel because I miss it so much right now I miss flexibility I used to have to just say I found a great deal let's go to Europe next month and off we would go um we did go to Maui last month when there was a brief you know period of time where you could show up with a negative COVID test and not have to quarantine so oh wow Maui is by far one of my favorite places. It's odd because I'm not traditionally a beach person, but two of my three favorite places in the world are beach locations. (laughs) Um, So I guess maybe I'm a closet beach lover, but Maui is the perfect Hawaiian island to me because it's got a lot going on, but it's not a city like Oahu, but it's got more going on than Kauai. And I could live there. I could absolutely live on Maui. Second is St. John and the USVI. Yeah. I have never seen such a pretty friendly, warm, gorgeous island. I look like a professional photographer when I'm there because the scenery is just stunning. Um, We were there right before the hurricane in 2017, and I would love to go back. And then my third is completely different, and it's Amsterdam. Um, Wow. Walking that city, talking, like sitting outside of pubs and bars and meeting the locals and chatting with people, they're so warm and friendly, and their English is impeccable. And I've never gone to a foreign city where I felt so at home and so ready to return. Those are great. Um, I've been to Hawaii, but never Maui. I've been Mm -hmm. to the Virgin Islands and I hired a private tour guide to take me to as many islands as possible. My last day in the Virgin Islands Mm -hmm. and all day thing, like eight hours. And I remember him at the time, Jeffrey Epstein wasn't famous. Well, he was probably famous, but not infamous. And I remember the tour guide saying, Oh, that's some millionaire's private island. All kinds of weird stuff happens there. That was about eight, ten years ago. And now, um, you know, we've seen the documentaries, we've read the news stories and stuff. But that's the that's the thing I remember most about the Virgin Islands is the tour guide saying, look at that interesting island and pointed out the flag. All right, well, just quick, funny story, small world. I don't know if I hired the same guy as you, but we took a boat out for the day too and they showed us that same island in the summer of 2017. <laughs> That's amazing. I wonder if it was the same island. Did they have a dog with him in the boat? Because my tour guide had a dog in the boat. Um, no dog, just lots of beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, last P, biggest source of pride or biggest accomplishment? To be personal, professional? You know, I'm not gonna. it's not going to be about awards or anything like that. The one thing I'm most proud of is the things I have managed to do alone when I didn't think I could do them alone. So I, when I was laid off from Taco Bell, I started my own market research consultancy and I ended up running that for 10 years by myself. Um, I've raised my 21 year old daughter alone since she was 13. So I feel a great sense and pride in watching her development and her growth. So I need and want, or I should say, I want other people in my personal and professional life, but I do take pride in the fact that 
if I know that if I have to handle things alone, I actually believe that I can do it myself now. Oh, that's, that's a pretty amazing sense of pride. And I completely commend you for that because 10 years as owner of your own company and going independent in market research world is a long time. And you're obviously very successful at it. So certainly commendable. And that's an amazing, that's an amazing accomplishment. Thank you. It's a good feeling. Like I said, I want other people there, but if need be, I can yeah. handle it. <laughs> well, I think you'd be a good mentor for Wire and all kinds of other fun things like that. I've actually offered to do that for Wire for next year, and I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, anything you want to promote if people have questions about Roku or should people reach out to you or anything? Sure. I'm always available on LinkedIn to talk to people, to connect with people. Um, you know, you want to talk to me about careers or jobs we have or something on the Roku channel or whatever it is. I'm not just working for Roku. I'm a complete enthusiast and fan like you, even though you've got me beat by one device. So um, happy to talk about that brand or what we're streaming or what's new at any time. I just have such a passion for our industry and where it's going. That clearly comes across. And uh, Danielle, thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to hearing you at Insights Marketing Day. Um, thank you again. Thank you, Brian. Joining me now is Bianca Pryor, and she is the VP of Consumer Insights of Content Optimization at BET Networks. Hi, Bianca. How are you? Hi, Brian. Good morning. I'm doing great today. Yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm so glad to talk to you today. And I looked at your LinkedIn profile, and you have a really cool tagline on your LinkedIn. It says, Tester of all the things, log lines, talent, pilot, series, and promos. That I love that, first of all. And is that is that a good way to kind of summarize what your role is? Yes, it's a perfect way to summarize what I do here at BET. I, I sit within the bigger consumer insights bubble at BET, but within that bubble, there are three smaller bubbles within that. And one bubble is the one that I lead, and that's specifically for content optimization and marketing. So the mission, you know, what my day-to-day -day is up to really and my team is to test the things, right? The things that yeah. make all this amazing content and the content mission go. So pilots, treatments, show Bibles, uh, talent, um, ensembles, series. So all of that fun stuff, I have the pleasure of testing and we test it through many different ways, quant, qual, which I'm sure I'll get into in a little bit. Yeah. That sounds really fascinating. Um, how does one find an amazing role like that? Um, what's your background before joining BET Networks? Yeah, so actually I come from an academic background slash industry. So I started off in grad school and undergrad marketing in Spanish. And I soon realized I wasn't quite yet ready for industry and I wanted to continue learning. I think that that's the lifelong learner in Bianca. Yeah. And I went off to Purdue for graduate school and studied consumer behavior, fell in love with that. But my focus and research interests were really around brands and, and how to manage them, luxury brands and uh, imitation brands. So I did a very thorough piece of, of research on that in graduate school and got picked up at TNS and branded communications. I've always like been in the brand ad and communications world when I came then when I went to Brain Juicer, I my last role there was leading up the advertising practice area, and I saw a lot of parallels between advertising and media, and my mind started to wander towards, well, how could I imagine a career in media, and that became quite appealing to me. 
So I started the search process um, after I had left System One, and I I saw that you know I could really you know position that like reposition myself in that way because advertising to me in my head you know it has all the same creative elements you know the artistry the the characters the music and it just made sense so an opportunity came up and I said yeah let's go for it and and here I am so already a year later well that's amazing I think it's for those of us in market research I think it's challenging to kind of go from the supply side to the client side Um, not a lot of people can do it but listening to your background that was kind of the perfect kind of training for you it seems like at least for you to get in your current role right like you i mean those are great companies you work for brain juicer now system one and Cantar, and anytime you can get the academic background as well i have a feeling that really prepared you for this role yes exactly brian no you're exactly right they were just so many parallels and it really gave me that strong foundation and i will say you know something that you know system one does incredibly well is like we really look at it from like an art and science perspective. So coming here and being the tester of the things, I still yeah. bring the framework and the lens with me through which I look at everything that we test. So you're doing both qual and quant. That's that's another thing that's challenging for a researcher. Um, a lot of people focus on quant or qual and the fact that you have to know when to use quant, when to use qual, when to kind of go back and forth for all of your testing. That's quite the skill that not a lot of people have. Is Do you enjoy that? I love it because <laughs> I, <laughs> one, because I love just knowing things. And I think yeah. it's a beautiful bit about qual is it really allows you to immerse yourself in your fans world, like hear it really through their, their eyes and their words. And I never really got to do much of that, you know, on the supplier side, I was purely a quanti with the exception we would do mobile mass ethnographies or online communities here and there. But for the most part, I was classically trained quant person. So come here and to be able to flex a new muscle and qual has been really, really fun and truly insightful. And what I love the most too, Brian, is like weaving it all together. So it's like once I get the amazing qual uh, insights, then weaving that back to the quant and telling that bigger story. Yeah, it's something I miss. I used to do some kind of qual-quant hybrid work and I've, part of my career, I did some qual, but I've been focusing on quant for quite a while. And I miss seeing people and maybe it's i'm thinking about this more because of the current situation we're in but i miss kind of getting in front of like a focus group or a one-on-one interview and because you get so much more depth when you get that qualitative interview and those insights and when you apply it to quant that's got to be rewarding because quant can get kind of dry all the time you're looking at data and doing stat testing and things like that but qual you really get to see people that's what kind of motivates me when i get in front of people Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, when I came to BET, I grew up watching BET, you know, love me some BET growing up. And I I think that, you know, in the first early months, you know, involving myself in the qual projects that were there, it became, I connected more quickly with our fans as well too. And I got to hear everything in their own words, you know, what did they love about it? What were their challenges about it? And it was like an instant 
you know, orientation to what fans were saying without having to go through reams and reams of, of tab data to figure it out. Um, right. It was, you could just hear it in the groups. Right. So what kind of research are you doing with, um, like, I don't know, the pilots or something interesting, what you're doing with talent or what kind of research are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So we're doing we do quite a bit of research around log lines as well as pilots. Um, so it's highly dependent on obviously when we would get the stimuli. So when we would get the pilot, the log line, the script, and that really guides our ability to come up with the research plan. So if you know we get that you know, months in advance, then we're very much able to um, lead with that and to provide the insights pretty early on and allow it to influence, you know, development, um, marketing promotions as well too. So there's a lot of different ways, you know, it can cascade down through the rest of the business if it's done early enough. Right. Mm -hmm. So to prep for this interview, I I watched um, the Soul Train Awards <laughs> on BET, <laughs> and, I'm, and I couldn't get all the way through it because this is going to, I don't know, maybe look silly, but I had to Google a lot of people. But I loved the performances. It was an amazing job of how you kind of incorporated the challenges that we're facing, like people wearing masks when they were performing and things like that. I thought the production value was incredible. I loved it. And I honestly don't watch a lot of BET. Did you did you have any insights or tests into that kind of show? Because, you know, people have a certain level of expectation of award shows, right? Yes, absolutely. And we had our first foray. I'll actually go back to June of this year. We did the BET Awards. So that was our yes. first foray into all of this and having to create an entirely... Um, virtual, you know, on, on, on TV experience for our fans. And that was very different, very different yeah. business. And so this was actually a third rodeo. So we had hip hop awards in October and then we had soul train awards just um, a couple Sundays ago. Yes. And yeah. So absolutely. There are all these things we have to think about and reimagine from a production standpoint. So how do we social distance, you know, on set? You know, how do we how do we preserve those moments where someone's receiving the awards? How do we make how do we create fan engagement? Yep. Um, what about the categories? So it's it's very, very interesting how we have to think about all those different things. Um, but back to Soul Train Awards, yes, yes, I think it was a beautifully done execution and production. And I'm a big fan of Monica, so I was really, really happy to see her win the um, the Lifetime Achievement Award. So that yeah, was awesome. absolutely, yeah. But I, it's the best award. Maybe it's because it was your third, or maybe you're just really good. But that was the best production that you could tell that you had to adjust things because of you know, social distancing and mask wearing and things like that. It's the best by far that I've seen, like, with a live award, well, with an award show. So kudos to your team. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Appreciate that. Yeah, and so, like, what else are you seeing in terms, if you are seeing anything, in terms of shift with the current kind of landscape? So um, we were talking yesterday with um, someone from Roku who mentioned, you know, entertainment at home is really increasing and 
um, there's this fight for screen time, but people are spending more time watching stuff. Is that, has that changed how you think about research or the decisions that you're making at BET? I think a big thing is, is, is speed. Honestly, I think we just yeah. have to be quicker. And I think it is imperative as a business that we move quicker, provide the insights much quicker, and then action on things much quicker because it is a constant machine to be fed and to crank out content that is going to hit all those different need states. And I think, you know, being in this world now, I think a wonderful framework is it's the idea of need states and how do we lean into that? Because someone's need states can change within a day. But if you kind of blow that out, you know, not just within a day, but if you think about, you know, the nine months that we've we've been in the pandemic, imagine all those different need states that have that have hit over the course of the month. So, you know, perhaps in March and April and May, you know, your content needs were very different then. Shifting into the summer, now shifting into the fall, shifting into the winter. As you can imagine, all of that is going to change. So a good example is if I wake up in the morning, you know, I'm more inclined to look for something inspirational, informational to kick off my day. Um, but then, you know, by Friday night, I'm looking to chill, to kick back. Yeah. You know, I'm going to want a totally different type of show to watch. So that need state is going to shift. So I I think of that very much over the course of the nine months. And I can imagine, you know, if you blow that out to all the different fans out there, that's got to change. It's it's going to change. So I would say that what we've seen is definitely a trend towards escapism and wanting to just, you know, folks want their their socks knocked off. They really do. They want something that's going to take them out of their current reality and understandably so. I loved your answer there. And you said something I'd like to ask you to follow up on is that you need to get the insights quicker. Mm-hmm. And as an industry, I've worked on the supply side my whole career and we've been notoriously slow at providing insights to brands. Sometimes like I was evaluating research on a tracking study I'm looking at data from July. Mm-hmm. This is just last week. And I'm like, July is like so long ago. I don't even know if it's relevant. And you must have to have real-time insights. So do you have to pressure your suppliers to deliver you um, quicker insights? Or do you have to change kind of methodology in order to do that? Because I completely understand that business problem. Things are moving so quick. And we don't know what next month looks like, much less a year from now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's a, a couple of tactics. I'd say one, it is working with vendor partners who can meet our, our need for speed and being really clear about setting that expectation up soon. And I'd say the second tactic is we do quite a bit in-house. So we have our own panel and we have our own resourcing internally that can create the surveys, deploy it, you know, get the insights back and and turn it out into a story. So we have also that front taken care of that can match those more instant and speedier requests. Got it. Come on, shift gears. I want to ask you about streaming a little bit. So, you know, everyone's focusing on streaming and Disney's reorganizing the focus on Disney Plus and HBO Max and 
is this kind of a larger focus for BET? Is that I'm assuming you have to kind of respond to that um, that landscape change or shift? Yeah, for sure. So we we BET launched its streaming product called BET Plus. I think it was September 2019. So we've been in the game a little over a year now, and we're really, really excited for it. And there's a lot of potential, and it is part of, you know, my research remit and what I'm responsible for in terms of providing insights. But it definitely is a priority for the business, you know, and I, I think that being under the banner of Viacom CBS, um, there are right. other other streaming products as well too that are um, in the market and, and certainly we have our eyes towards like being able to, to benchmark as well too. So that's quite nice. So under the CBS banner, we can also think about how we compare to our sister networks or sister platforms. Awesome. I think I want to move on to like a, maybe a fun question before we end. That's I can talk all day long about that streaming part. I can't even imagine how much insights you can obtain from having your own panel and having a streaming um, service um, and the data that you're getting at it. I would really nerd out on it, but maybe that's another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing we do on the podcast is we we take the marketing mix and we try to get to know our guests a little bit better by asking a more personal question. And um, I think I'll just do one P for the sake of time. But what uh, my favorite P is pandemic. And I don't like pandemics, but this is my favorite question. I think producer Brian came up with this, by the way. It's a really good question. What, <laughs> what is something fun or quirky that you started doing since the quarantine started? And I'll give you a quick example of something that I have done. When I have like five or 10 minute breaks between meetings, I would find myself just kind of wandering outside and doing yard work for five minutes. <laughs> and I noticed I was doing that for like weeks. And I think it was somewhat therapeutic in a way to kind of, I don't know, take my mind off of work, but I would literally do it for five or 10 minutes in between meetings. And I'm curious if you have an example. I bet we all have crazy things we've kind of done. I can't even imagine what my neighbors think because I'm going out there every three hours for five minutes. I'm accomplishing nothing, but I'm curious <laughs> curious if you have any anything that you've done that's kind of weird or quirky. I love that. So weird and quirky. I will say it's something that is an extension of what I love to do, and that's biking. So I used to do a lot of biking as a little girl, but definitely in my Chicago days. Chicago is such a flat city. I would get around on bike all the time. So when I moved to New York, I was actually, I was a little afraid to, to get back yeah. up on the bike. And um, more recently, I said, you know, this would actually be a great opportunity. There are a lot less cars on the road, a lot less traffic. <laughs> let, me, let me think about that, right? So I started exploring yeah. it back early summer, and I joined a a Moms Who Bike group on Facebook, because there's a group for everyone. Yes. And, I love me a good group. And I found a group and one of the moms was selling a Dutch cargo bike, a box. <laughs> and I said, oh my God, love this bike. Gotta have it. And went to Brooklyn, went from the Bronx to Brooklyn to test ride it, fell in love with this bike. When I heard my son squeal, Brian, I was like, that's it. Like <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're getting this bike. And, um, so yeah, so instantly started doing these little micro adventures throughout the Bronx, downtown Manhattan, and we would just ride all the way from the Bronx, you know, wherever we wanted to go and adventure yeah. really, really 
trying to understand the city a bit more on our own terms. And it's been really, yeah. really fun, really fun. And it's a, it's interesting and funny looking bikes. So we definitely get, um, get some eyeballs our way. Oh, well, I, I bet you own it and you don't care what other people think, but <laughs> I love the bike as well. And one of my favorite things to do when I go to a city as a tourist is to go on a bike ride. I, to your point, I think you can really kind of see and experience the city when you're riding a bike. And I've done that numerous times in New York, in Manhattan. Yeah. New York's an amazing city to kind of, especially, I can't even imagine with so much less traffic. But like down the west side, I've gone off through there and up. I'd never been, honestly, to the really far upper west side of Manhattan, like near Columbia and Harlem. And I rode, rode a bike through there. Loved it. I rode across the Brooklyn Bridge and went all through Brooklyn. And I love Chicago. Chicago has amazing bike paths as well. I've done it in Paris. And so that's one of the things that I tend to try to do when I travel somewhere because you can really kind of see the city at what you said, something that I really liked that at your own pace or at your own kind of yeah yeah your own terms so i think that's a that's an awesome one uh, are you, you, you see yourself continuing to do that yeah absolutely definitely yeah. i don't know so much in the winter but definitely like to continue to do that and i'll probably have to explore getting a bit of a bigger bike you know um <laughs> yeah the, the bigger my son gets but yeah i think it's and it's really allowed us to bond and to create connection between one another so it's been really special and i think for me that's definitely been our our pandemic outlet and how we um get on with this well thank you for sharing that it's an awesome story it's that's that's really impressive well bianca i really enjoyed talking to you today i wish i could have another 45 minutes of your time but i know you're busy and we're looking forward to your um discussion um, at Insights Marketing Day. It looks like you're talking on a panel about entertainment in the time of coronavirus. So this was probably a little bit of preview. Yes. Thank you so much for joining and um, we'll hope, hopefully we'll talk to you soon down the road. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Um, again, apologies to Monica. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed these interviews. If you're still listening, thank you. But Monica, again, won the Lady of Soul Award. And Man, I wish we were recording this after your panel, but I guess we'll talk about that in the next episode, which will probably be the last episode of the year other than the best ofs. But, um, man, this looks like really good content, and um, I'm assuming you can still find some of the panels or discussions um, if it's after December 10th, which likely is if you're listening to this, and hopefully enjoy the interviews. Yeah. Hope everyone has a good week, and hopefully I will see you at Insight Marketing Day. Yeah, absolutely, and thanks everybody for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>